0: This episode is recorded on Jar Jar Warung Country, and we want to pay our respects to the original creatives of this land and their elders past, present, and future.
1: You're welcome Caleb Maxwell to the another Country Creatives podcast with me and you chatting together.
0: Thanks. It's good to be here. And we are talking pick a project. How about that, Rhys? Yeah, I
1: love it. And uh, what exactly does that
0: actually mean? We're going to pick a project. And we're going to have a chat about the behind the scenes of it, what happened, how we got it, why it was interesting, why we're talking about it. Hopefully, we'll be able to unpack some really interesting, very valuable points out of it and have a bit of fun.
1: Yeah, definitely. We came up with this idea just to sort of pick a project that we're involved with because Caleb and I, in the real world, outside of podcasting uh, together, we have some, like, really good chats about each other's day-to-day life, what we're up to, and we always tend to go deep on, um, you know, oh, and so why did you do that? And how did that happen? And we we often ask some really good questions and have some really good chats, and we were just hoping to bring that to you as a listener about, uh, you know, tune in on one of our chats.
0: So, Reese, what is your project that you've picked for today's discussion
1: i've got a bit of a mix of stuff to chat about caleb uh, but i thought an interesting project that i could chat about was to do with the quant mary quant exhibition that came to the bendigo
0: art gallery last year all right hold up hold up mary quant for those who have no idea who that is just very briefly who on earth is mary quant she was an artist or was she uh, fashion designer but I'm just going to
1: bring up her Wikipedia page so I can give you the really precise description. She's a British fashion designer and fashion icon who became an instrumental figure in the 1960s London-based mod and youth fashion movements. She took credit for the miniskirt and hot
0: pants. Whoa, that's big. That's, I mean, it's small in terms of the amount of fabric the miniskirt. <laughs> but it's a big call to be credited with the miniskirt. Her designs were like polka dots,
1: flashbang, light and br- light and bright and in your face. And as part of the exhibition, Bendigo Tourism you usually do something out on the street, so you you don't just get the exhibition experience, you also get some kind of experience out within the Bendigo town promoting, you know, people leaking onto
0: the leaking onto the streetscape
1: yeah that's it so um this one we got to do something that hadn't been done before which was paint a huge pavement mural right at the entrance of roslyn park in the center of town near the fountain if you've been through bendigo there's a big open space at the entrance to the park and uh we had the pleasure of painting
0: like a 40 by 40 meter mural on the, on the pavement. Fondly known by me and many others as the Piazza. The Piazza. That's right. Okay. So tell me more about this mural. What it, what did it look like and who was involved?
1: Yeah, cool. So we had a bit of mix of involvement here, but I actually got reached out to an artist called Happy Decay, and he's from uh, New South Wales. He does a lot of traveling for art. And the funny thing was that he had called me. We I had only connected with this artist probably two weeks before this opportunity popped up. And it's got a funny way, I don't know about you, Kayla, but every time someone reaches out, not every single time, but most of the time if, if an artist reaches out to me and says, hey, you know, have you got any projects coming up or, you know, I've got this style and I'd love to be involved, usually it doesn't take long until something kind of pops up next to it and you go and then you can just connect
0: yeah. the dots. I always have that actually. It's, it's funny how that works, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Crazy. So I, w- I want to go back. Uh, half a step to how did you get this job? Did Bendigo Tourism just like go, hey, Reese, uh, here is a job, or like, what? Wh- how did that? How did this whole big mural thing come about? Like, how did you get this opportunity?
1: Mm, yeah, it was based off. Um, I'm pretty sure we were doing some sort of pavement artwork in Bendigo for a different department of the city, and that was to do with um, activating the streets. It was during COVID, so it was kind of like, or it was it was mid in between lockdowns, so it was kind of a way to just brighten up the streets and they saw that this was happening so I I was doing some of these pavement artworks anyway and then tourism saw the proposal and they said oh wow how about we do it here and do it bigger and do it as an extra one and so we
0: said shit yeah let's do it nice nice cool all right we've got how you got the project we've got who on earth Mary Quant is and um, the amazing artist.
1: Now, Happy Decay, he's awesome. So he travelled in and his design was inspired by the quant aesthetic, which was really cool, um, super funky and bright. And the, our next stage was to to deliver it. So we were – I think they might have picked us to do the job because we're local. Uh, it was a little bit last minute. They weren't sure what they could and couldn't do. So when we got the call in, it was like, all right, it's all guns blazing. We gotta we gotta smash this out. So I think from getting the job or, you know, them pitching the idea to us, it was only maybe a month before we paint hit the ground. Like it was a really short turnaround, which was pretty crazy. But the interesting thing about this one too is because they um, we hadn't done this kind of work before in Bendigo and Bendigo itself hadn't had never painted the pavement of this piazza. It's got like the bluestone um, bluestone tile kind of look, um, which has got like a lot of divots and cracks and stuff. And so we had to think about, cause it was only going to be temporary. How are we going to take it off at the end? And was it possible? So I spent a lot of time pre-project just collaborating with the city and with the, um, cleanup department. So I went out to the, to the yard with them. Um, I did a few paint samples on this bluestone. I did a little different, different materials, I gave one of them like an undercoat with like a graffiti removal paint and then painted the um, paint on top of that. And so then a week later we came back and we pressure washed off different bits and we were checking for what responds better and if it actually is removable. So there was a lot of prep work on that side just to make sure we'd done our due diligence and we weren't just sort of wrecking something that was
0: going to be a permanent fixture. That's like putting a drawing on a whiteboard with permanent marker when you think it's a whiteboard marker.
1: Yeah, we didn't want to mess that up. (laughs) And then you're stuck with it. Yeah, like a 40 metre big whiteboard. Yeah, we didn't want to mess that up. So
0: it worked though?
1: Yeah, well the clean up effort was always going to be a pain. Um, It's a bit of a shame it didn't stick around really because it it really did activate the space.
0: Yeah, I remember it. It was lots of big circles and very bright, and uh, yeah, it was it was fun.
1: We'll obviously pop a pop an image up onto our page on the Acme um, Emporium Creative Hub
0: website where our information lives, um, so you can check that out. Do you even have a Do you have a video of it being made? I reckon there is a video. I reckon Bendigo Tourism made a video about. Yeah, it.
1: yeah. Oh, dude, you didn't. You set up the time lapse, or your Hebron set up the time lapse for us.
0: <laughs> yes, that's correct. Well, they'll, we'll throw the video up as well. Yeah,
1: sick. <laughs> well, you didn't set it up. You sent one of your lackeys to come with me and set it up. One of my dudes. I reckon um, this project was kind of cool because it uh, it activated this space in a way that we didn't really expect, like. Um, we had some, there's some offices across the street with a good bird's eye view. Shout out to Broly Savage from Friendly Savage. Um, and she was always posting pictures and comments about how many kids were playing on it and how many more people would sit there and relax in that space as opposed to before when it was just
0: a thoroughfare. That's fascinating. So that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I love it. Mary Quant. Bam smashed it
1: yeah that's a project that I'm pretty proud of and it had you know a bunch of challenges and it was something pretty new for us as well as having the lead artist that we that we flew in or sorry he drove in from his hometown um, and stayed the week to do it Uh, because of the scale we organized some helpers too so there was a few locals um, who got on board and helped paint it and that was really cool too because it's just a bit more it's an opportunity for some of the local artists to connect with someone who does this kind of work full time, um, which I really appreciate. It's a bit of knowledge sharing and working with a lead artists who's got a really specific style kind of builds up some of the skills of our locals. So th- that's my project. What did you What did you think of that? Like as a as a person from the community, how did you respond to that project?
0: Yeah, I um. This piazza has become a bit of a, a feature spot for the exhibitions that uh Bendigo Art Gallery host the big international ones or the big the the bigger ticket ones anyway um so it it's always a bit of anticipation about what's going to be there and i think um having the actual pavement painted was was excellent you know we've had what was it a 20 foot High Marilyn Monroe, uh, statue. The tram, they, they plonked a, tra- a coffee tram onto the. Yes. They put a tram on there. That was cool. But yeah, I, I love the, yeah, the anticipation and, and seeing what happens in that space because it, it always gets, uh, activated really well. And it's, it's very vi- visible by, you know, traffic going by and, and people walking into the park. So from a from my own perspective as a member of the public, I'm just kind of proud of the creativity and the, the thought that goes into doing something different every time. And, and uh, the mural was just, yeah, it was fun. It br- made the place nice and bright. Yeah, it was kind of that, one of those things that, that made me proud to be part of the city because we're, you know, we do these kind of things.
1: We're creative. Mm. Yeah, cool. I think Bendigo is getting a pretty good rep for that being open to stuff. Which I was wondering, Caleb. I hear a lot of creatives talk in general about their local councils and their councillors and that the people that they have to work, um, the people that they have to work with within their city or town, always saying no or being hard to work with or not being receptive. But. I don't know, I don't really have that experience in Bendigo and I wasn't sure if it's because we have a different council that uh, we have a really good um, creative direction or if it's because people just get the wrong idea. Like, do we just know how to work better with our council or is our council actually better?
0: Wow, that's a great question (laughs) because I definitely uh, understand both, yeah, the perception of councils being hard to work with But also I've done a lot of work with our council in many different departments and, yeah, I don't think I've ever really had a bad experience where they were, like, shutting down creative ideas or anything. They – most generally they bring their own kind of uh, creative input and champion uh, what we're doing. So have we got just a legendary council or are we just really aware of how to – talk to people and, uh, work with people.
1: Yeah. The Bendigo city has a really good collaborative kind of approach and, um, you're involved
0: with the creative strategy of the city. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a starting point. Yeah. How did I get involved with it? Well,
1: I already know that you have to fill out a form to apply, to be a person who is an advisor to the creative strategy. I know this because (laughs) I filled one out and I'm not on the bloody thing. I got, I got shunned, but, uh, nah that's all right. It's just more time and effort for a uh, project that I probably didn't have um but you're on there and what does that what does that mean?
0: Oh well, yeah, it was super fun. It was actually a time in my life uh, where i'd I'd never been on any like committees or um you know anything like that in terms of governance or like advisoryness <laughs> to anything so i um uh, I would completed a leadership kind of course over a year and I, I, I saw these two things come up. One was the advisory committee for the uh, Bendigo's creative uh, strategy and then the other one was uh, the advisory committee for the emporium creative hub and i was like yeah i'll just i'll just put my name in the hat for both of them i just put in an expression of interest form and then had a bit of a interview in front of a panel and said why i think i'd contribute i think the city of greater bendigo having a a creative strategy is a big reflection on their value for creativity and their understanding of uh, of its value and what it contributes to the the city as a whole. So that's probably a, a good indication that we uh, uh, we as a city and that them as a council are leading uh, leading with that value of of um, the creative industries uh, and support of them. But the process was heaps of fun. Like I I got to follow along the journey from the uh, community consultations for the strategy. And um, and uh, yeah, all the way through to the development of it and what was in there, like what priorities. If anyone hasn't doesn't have any clue what we're talking about, a, a, a council has often has strategies for like a four year strategy generally for um, lots of different industries and areas across the local government area. Health
1: and well being, safe transport, you know, environmental. You know, they there's strategies for all kinds of things that um, affect the whole population. And we're ta- dialing in on the creative strategy that – I was just on the website, mate. It says that it's um, November 21st, 2018, the council adopted the Greater Creative Bendigo strategy. That's like four years ago, man. That's longer than I thought. Wow, it was that
0: long mm. ago. That's blowing my mind. It's like the last two years have just kind of morphed into the void. And like, you know, last year was 2019, right? Mm. (laughs) There was nothing between there. Yeah, cool. Time is just a construct. I've uh, I've just given up on trying
1: to understand it
0: now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we followed along that process. But um, being on the advisory committee just means that we get together with uh, a bunch of People, I think there's about twelve people on the advisory uh, group, and uh, we get together with a few councillors and the the officers from the council, the employees from the council that are responsible for overseeing the implementation of the suggestions that were outlined in the strategy. So it's just a it's a big list of priorities and um, and action items to help support creative industry in Bendigo. And um, yeah, so we get together and we um, throw in ideas and we give feedback on how it's going and what we think the creative community needs in Bendigo, um, which is heaps of fun. It's an honour to be on it, and uh, it takes a, a a little bit of time, but yeah, it's it's of, of huge value. What
1: is the value to you as a creative mate? Like I'm, I'm thinking people they like you're, you're a busy person, you've got a lot of projects on at any one time plus a team to manage plus a family and taking on something like this um, can seem like for a lot of people like why would you bother but what's the benefit to you as a creative for taking on this kind of role and, and also for like other people who would be like umming and ahhing about getting involved at this level, like what's the benefits?
0: Yeah, so I really see the benefits in the – what it contributes to me in terms of uh giving like it that is a whole idea giving back and and serving your community it just positions you and your character and your your attitude towards things in in just a really really humble kind of uh way it makes me it makes me feel like I'm more connected to the the community and I'm actually contributing to the health in like a bigger picture way. And I'm more connected, which is probably the, the big, the big thing for me. I, I feel connected to the whole community because I can see from a big picture, what is being poured into it and I can help influence that. And that's of, that's of huge value to me, but, from a from a just a more selfish um, kind of perspective, if you were looking at being on a advisory group, yes it takes a lot of time and you don't get any you know financial benefit from it it's a volunteer thing but what it does is it positions you in a group of people who are kind of leaders in the in that area and the network and connections that you, build from that group are infinitely valuable one of my <clears throat> big beliefs is that the most valuable thing you could do in your creative practice is network and build relationships with people because a lot of uh, collaborative creative industries especially filmmaking people only work with people that they want to work with and they like and they know because there's a lot at stake in creativity and a lot at stake in creative industries and when you're collaborating with other creatives you need to trust that yes that they're skilled but more importantly that they're going to show up and they're going to be reliable and they're going to get the job done with you and they're going to hold up their end of the bargain. So building those networks, so, so important. And just being part of a group like this has expanded my networks further than I would have you know been able to previously. I've been able to meet people I wouldn't have really met before. And that has led to some pretty big and significant projects through the people that I've connected with in that group, we've got uh, we've had the ability to kind of pitch for projects uh, like a brand film projects for um, for the city, uh, which one of them we're working on at the moment, and um, another project which was our biggest bank of content ever for an education provider that was just really fun and creative, but it you know it was it was a lot of work. So yeah, it's it's kind of it's turned into work, but it's from that network.
1: Yeah, you don't. It's sometimes hard to quantify where it's come from exactly, but um, sometimes you're like, "Whoa, shit! I wouldn't have met that person if I wasn't in that group or whatever." Um, But I guess just to wrap up the the wandering thoughts we've had there, uh, if you're wondering about how to collaborate with your council or your locals, just jump on and find out if they've got a creative strategy, and if they don't pester them about it. And if they do read it, I know reading something about, you know, a corporate document, but it's like you, if you can align, you can align stuff with, as soon as you start aligning your practice with some of the, sorry, I shouldn't say, not necessarily your practice, but if you can align the things that you already do with um, council strategy and actionable items that they've got, then you can go straight in and start to pitch your work to people based on this document that has been approved by the councillors, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you can open up that thing and, and that um, the path to collaboration with the council might become a lot easier if you're already got in mind what their objectives are and you can talk to those. Um, you, yeah, you're not just stabbing in the dark and wondering why they say no. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. A lot of uh, I think a lot of people go into it focusing on their own idea and and the reasons why I think they think it's amazing, rather than starting a step backwards and going, what you know, I'm going to pitch something to someone. What do they care about? What what is their what you know? What's their objective? What are they going to get out of it? Because if you start there and then go, all right, what ideas do I have that um, align with that? then you know it's gonna you, you want to come go into a pitch with a no-brainer for the person that you're pitching to like a, a, an idea that's gonna be like a no-brainer yes mm, yeah definitely
1: hey uh tell me a little bit more about you said you just are working on a big bank of content for some educational stuff um What's that, what's that project
0: about, mate? That is for the Goldfields LEN. I'd, I'd, have you ever heard of a LEN before?
1: Yeah, dude, I'm working with them at the moment. I'm, um, they're doing youth takeovers. So yes, they've got a they whole are. program for people who've just come out of high school or they're at uni or they're not really sure of their pathway after school. And uh, they've got a whole series of youth takeovers in different fields. And I'm hosting one to do with, mural painting and just the creative um, culture in general. Like my participants don't necessarily oh – sorry, we call them interns because it's kind of like they're actually getting paid to to be a part of the project, which is super cool. There's no better way to motivate someone to rock up than, hey, you get a paycheck out of this. And then in the Len office in Bendigo, we're painting the murals. In, that's our project is to paint murals in their office that they've just got.
0: they got a brand new spunky office. Mm,
1: we are got like six interns. We're about to – Pitch the concept back to the client this week, so that's that's a bit
0: exciting. Well, there you go. You know all about <laughs> the Goldfields, Len. I was going to introduce it, um, but yeah, you've, you're, you're all over it. So, for those who don't know, because I didn't know before I started working with them, I um, Dave Burton was the uh, is the CEO there, the executive officer, and he uh, was the guy that I was on the creative strategy with, so that's who who I connected with. Dave, yeah, absolute legend. He runs the Glen, which I thought was hilarious that there's an organization called Glen, but it's the Goldfields Local Learning Employment Network. So their whole purpose is to help uh, connect the education sphere with the world of work, as they call it, so the workforce, the workplace jobs careers uh and give kids uh students coming up a greater understanding of their opportunity um and where they could you know where they could take their life or in terms of, of work.
1: Uh, and also, just before you move on, mate, 10 points for remembering what that acronym stands for because I've tried to commit it to memory and I failed miserably. So, well done. You really obviously go deep into your client's world to remember that kind of stuff. Oh,
0: yeah, big time. But um, we've been working with them for like uh, nine months or something. I, yeah, we've completed the project now. But What is it? The project is a bunch of videos. I think there was five... Five kind of topics or areas, uh, businesses that we focused on. So they're really uh, a, each business that we profiled. We did a one video about a young industry ambassador, and then one which I'll explain, and then one video uh, about their workplace. So the young industry ambassador program is excellent. I love it. They kind of uh, recruit young people who have just 18 to 30 year olds that have just kind of entered the workforce uh, in some capacity in in their industry or in their you know wherever they've uh they're working and they become kind of an ambassador for that industry and uh, they hold presentations in schools um, and they do talks and all sorts of great things. But the Goldfields Local Learning Employment Network, the Glen came to us with a kind of a thought that they want to make uh, some video content that is gonna be able to be sent to schools who can't get the young industry ambassador in in person. So the, they had this kind of problem where schools at the time weren't allowing people to come in, but they still wanted to, to to achieve their outcomes, which was inspire students on what's possible for their future in, in when in regards to work. So yeah, oh man, that was a big project, Reese.
1: You've told me a lot about the client and what they're doing, but like, what are you doing in the project? What are you what does that actually look like in terms of production?
0: Yeah, so these videos. So yeah, I said there was five uh, businesses that we focused on, or five young industry ambassadors. We did a video that was all about them. It was kind of their history, their how they got into what they're doing. It was heaps and heaps of fun. They were kind of like the host on a workplace tour. So we followed them around their workplace, and they they interviewed a couple of people within the workplace, and they explained what they do within that uh, within that business how it runs and and that kind of thing kind of behind the scenes look rather than the the customer facing what a customer sees so if, if i can remember uh i think i'll be able to remember all of them we did uh a farm an olive grove at, that was also like a puppet theater place what a combo yeah, that, that, yeah. olives and puppets oh i know <laughs> Yes, those guys are my favourite. They're uh, Bridgewood Grove. If you want to look them up, they're they're hilarious and fantastic. Um, We did Jewels for Jim in town, which um, Jewels for Jim is like a hair salon. Fashion and beauty. Yeah, beauty and and hair, uh, but that's like an empire um that they they're phenomenal they own neon peach started neon peach which is another salon and have all of the royal gyms barbers which there are you know half a million of them in bendigo so that's cool we went to i'll remember them an accounting firm
1: oh that would have been fun on video as accounting <laughs> Yay Tell me how do you actually make a video about accounting interesting mate
0: Oh it's the people Reese. It's the people within the accounting Oh you mean accountants um, yeah. Oh, they're
1: so 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 interesting, accountants. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm giving them heaps of stick. But we're a creative, we're a creative podcast. I doubt accountants are tuning in to listen. So go on, tell me
0: more. <laughs> okay, so you feel free. We can rag on them. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> they are, do get a reputation for being quite boring and bland. But uh, the the fun part of it was that the chick that we were working with, Emmy, her name was. She's excellent. She's just uh, a ball of beans and energy and uh she put the what they do into really simple terms for for kids to understand like it was literally you know a business needs money to survive and they find creative ways to uh, where that money can go, so that they don't have to pay as much to the government, or they, you know, they pay what they only need to, and no more. Which is a which is the challenge of when you get into the workforce. Yeah, it is paying for hospitals and all that
1: kind of stuff, but uh, you know,
0: <laughs> it's a challenge, isn't it? Well, it is. It's very important people who say that they don't want to pay any tax i'm like well well i mean it's it's kind of supporting the healthcare system and repairing our roads and uh, a lot of really important things so you know you we do need to contribute but it's it's the balance so the accountants help you find the balance of not overpaying so that visually
1: an accounting an accounting firm it's obviously going to be about the people to make it more interesting but what kind of strategies can you adopt like you've got fairly dry subject matter in my opinion as a person watching, but also I'm not in finance or want to be in finance, so maybe I'm not the target audience. But how do you go about visually making something? It's for kids, right? They've got to be engaged. So well, got a couple of tips on that front?
0: Yeah, definitely. So we actually made them interactive, which is kind of an emerging technology or uh, thing in the video world. Um, interactive videos are ones that you can click on and will it'll do stuff. So you can inject quizzes um and like little pop-up things within the video you can even create a choose your own adventure kind of video where you know you get to a fork in the road and you can ask the viewer do you want to go left or right and then they if they click right, then it takes them to a different place than if they went left.
1: Yeah, cool. Like that Netflix kind of does that at the moment, right, with the choose-your-own-adventure videos and stuff. Yeah, I've never actually done one of them. Haven't you? There's Black Mirror did a version of it. Black Mirror have got to pick your own path and also heaps of like the kids ones do it now too, like Minecraft and stuff like that. all
0: right. Well, I'll have to look that up.
1: How do you you go about doing that? I didn't know you could, like that sounds hectic to try and embed that stuff in a video. So where does it live once you've produced it? Does it have to live on a special platform?
0: Well, no, it's pretty clever. We use a program called Mindstamp, but there's actually another one that connects directly to Premiere Pro, which is our editing software but in short what uh what it does is just takes an existing video like we host the video on vimeo and then it overlays its clever coding stuff to pause the video bring up an image uh or you know bring up a question or whatever you program in there and then um yeah give the viewer the options and it'll redirect to another video or it'll redirect to a different time stamp in that video so yeah i mean it was challenging um and it was confusing at times the boys did most of the heavy lifting on that one uh shout out to henry and bailey my two employees um and i just get to uh give feedback and and say change this and it needs to do this better
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, um, yeah, that's that's cool you've got a team that can handle stuff. I know Bailey's super talented with that real tech tech kind of stuff, um, so it's good to have him on your team. How do you go about giving feedback, mate? Because we, we did want to talk about kind of the difference between having – a team versus contracting slash even when you're you're working with someone, uh, collaborating with someone, how you go about good strategies for good sort of people management and interaction. So say for this project, for example, how do you go about giving feedback in a way that doesn't sort of put your team um, offside?
0: Yeah, giving feedback and managing people is probably the most uh, important part of running a successful small business because the people are your biggest asset, but they can be your biggest liability as well. Like I'm sure a lot of, you know, most business owners, um, the people give the most headaches because they have problems and they make messes and they make mistakes and they do things wrong, but they also do lots of things right. And there, if you manage them well and you give them good feedback and there's a culture of open communication and safety, then you will thrive as a business as a um, and that's you know that's the goal so when giving feedback specifically uh it's really important to have the foundation in your kind of uh, culture or your relationship with that person that it's okay to give feedback and that when you're giving feedback you're not you're not kind of personally attacking them, which is sometimes what people feel when they get feedback. Have you ever got feedback and you feel you felt like personally attacked, Reese? Oh,
1: early in my career as a graphic designer, creative person, whatever it is that I do, early on, like everything felt like it came from the heart, you know, like it was I felt so passionate about what I created and and feedback on that was like almost insulting me or something I've, I've gotten past that though i think you kind of need to grow past that stage but i wish i had more strategies to know just to like identify with that earlier on in my career well
0: that's a really good point about um, connecting your work to who you are um, that's a pretty dangerous thing to do uh, because in a in a professional sense um, you'll be on a different page than the person you're uh, presenting the work to. The the client who you're presenting it to, they have commissioned you to do something that is going to do something for them. So in, in if it's a brand um, that you're designing, a logo, then they are wanting that logo to represent them as a business and to contribute to their success.
1: And probably them as a person as well. Like they'll be connected to their business in a way that's deeper, like same as how we're cre- connected to our creative output.
0: Yeah, 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 totally. So they're, they're looking for, it's something that they care deeply about, but they, a brand, especially for a bigger business, it's probably a little less personal to them than it is to you if you are, you know, creating creating something and putting your heart and soul into it, which you should do but Mm -hmm. it's very important. I believe to separate your value from the value or the quality of your work, because you as a creative are far more valuable than what you do. You have more value value than what you create. And you will always, you're, you're on a continual journey of getting better at creating. Um, that doesn't, you know, doesn't, Reflect. It's not directly linked to your value as a human, so that I think that's what young designers I know, young videographers have, or you know, ones that are just getting into a professional area. Because we create from who we are, it's it's very challenging to kind of uh, take a step back when people are giving feedback to us and go, they're not telling me I'm bad, they're telling me something about. What I've done needs improvement. So yeah, I think that's that's a really important point that you touched on there, Recently,
1: I just recently did a workshop. It was actually for Len uh, to be a facilitator. They holded a facilitator's workshop just to give us a few tips and tricks and that was super valuable. But I really latched onto this terminology that they phrased, it was very simple, but I think it's a really good way to think about it. When, especially if you're the person giving feedback, or if you're in a collaborative conversation and you're trying to further something, and it's it's as simple as this: if you respond to a comment or a, you know or a, an idea with um, "yes," and it, it's going to take things further. And but you could also rep- answer that same question with or that same prompt with "yes," but and so there's two very simple ways you can further a collaborative conversation or you can narrow one in and you have to decide on when that's the, the right spot. I'm, I'm assuming you get what I mean by those two things, right? And how they can lead it in a different way?
0: Yeah, totally. It's like the difference between, you know, if you don't agree with something in a collaborative process and you want to take it in a d- different direction, or like you said, you want to narrow in, then, you know, you've got options. A lot of people just kind of come in with a combative or a or an anti kind of uh, sentiment and attitude that, that makes the other person, it kind of shuts them down a little bit. And what you're trying to do in a collaborative process is build something together. So when you know, you're know you faced with a, a suggestion that you don't love or you think it needs to go in a different direction, what you're saying is that some good language to use is uh, an, an affirmative word first being yes, um, that validates what they've said and acknowledges that you've heard it and you understand it and it's contributing to the building. Um, and then you can choose whether you want to, uh, you know, redirect with a yes, but, or a a yes, and if you want to, you know, further that, that topic and contribute your own idea to it. Yeah, that's totally right, mate. You've nailed that one. Um, and I love the, you, the way you phrase it, the
1: affirmative, like just giving people the positive thing first saying, yeah, love it. And what if we did this? You know, as soon as you hear people come out and go, oh, yeah, no, nah, I just don't like it. I don't know why I don't like it, but I just don't like, um, can we fix it? You're like, where are we going to take it from here?
0: Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It just throws the pressure on and you're like, oh, oh, I don't feel like I'm part of a team now. I feel like I'm, I'm being told off. That's a good um, – uh, leads into another good f- feedback uh, strategy. If you're giving feedback, I always like to do the sandwich um, you, you know, the feedback sandwich.
1: But sandwiches, they're always good. So you just bring sandwiches to the feedback session. Is that what you're telling me?
0: Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Pretty much. It's a verbal sandwich. It's like, this is like, you know, the difference between and doing this well is like the difference. Bendigo people will understand this. It's the difference between a ghosty toasty sandwich and like a tip top, uh, white bread sandwich, but I'll introduce the concept first. Right. So a feedback sandwich is where you give a bit of positive feedback, which is your first layer of bread, multi-grain sourdough. What do you go for? Uh, definitely not sourdough. Cause that's a bit chewy, but, uh, it's like nice and easy, easy to take. And then you put the meat in the middle a the bit. That's, you know, a bit tough, uh, that's the the thing you want to kind of correct or a change or the the issue that you have and then you you layer it back on top with a with a nice bit of bread which is a positive so it goes positive negative positive and the negative is needs to always be constructive like it's no good saying hey i love your hair today but you suck and uh You know that hair. You've done it really well. That's not that's not a good feedback sandwich. (laughs) Um, It's it's like you. If if I was going to give Reese some feedback on his audio mixing skills uh, in this podcast, (laughs) I'd say say Reese, mate you bring the energy like nothing else to this podcast and I love the way you you really nail like how you how you speak into the microphone and you you know you you manage your volume it's really excellent there's one thing I wanted to say though was when when you're you know kind of on the sliders I think you've got your your slider up just a little bit high and you, you consistently have it up there a little bit high I think it needs to be a little bit less so that you know it's not not coming through as hot but you know, you've got the you've got the distance from the mic perfect, and you, you nail that. So that's that's like a feedback sandwich. Yeah, no, like I I
1: realise I'm bad at this mixing thing. It's not my jam. Um, but the way you put it,
0: that's not actually you don't actually the, need the, to turn down the the, the mixing thing. I don't know. No, no, I get that. <laughs> good, but good. um,
1: that's a super good way to deliver that, isn't it? Like you just dress it up in a few nice niceties and. And it's about – yeah, it is is hard because artists have such egos Mm. and creatives have such egos, which is almost – it's almost a necessity of the role, I think. Like you do have to have a bit of a thick skin and an ego to be able to put yourself out there in like a creative format. Um, But you can't let it affect
0: your – your
1: productivity and your relationships.
0: No, you, yeah, and that's the other side of it. You do have to have a thick skin because not everyone's good at giving feedback. You know, when where you will have many, many moments where you, you know, you do your best and then the other person communicates really poorly. And that's a big challenge for you to deal with. But when you're giving feedback, it's and especially with the feedback sandwich, it's really important to not give um, a positive kind of thing that's just kind of, you know, meaningless and flippant. Like, yeah, I like your hair. (laughs) That's not relevant. You really got to, you know, you got to give a something that is actually a good thing you've noticed. And then, you know, your feedback and then. Um, reiterate the, the mm. positive that actually builds the up. That's a good one, mate.
1: And just on the other side of the fence, as a person receiving feedback, because we've spoken about giving it, but if you're if you're on the other side, I guess there's a there's probably a few strategies. I'm just f- going off the top of my head here. Oh, please! What are the what are the ways you can receive feedback better? And like, I was just thinking of how I do it, and. I think it's usually when people say something that's like quite jarring and mm. almost like could be come off as offensive to a creative person mm. who's put their – they're often – they're saying one thing but what they actually mean is something else. And so I like to try and read between the lines if they they might really dial in on like, oh, this this is really wrong or this doesn't work or whatever. But they might it might not be that that's not working. Yep. You kind of got to read – I'm trying to think of an example of
0: where that – how that works um no that's really good yeah there's lots of strategies and you and i have probably just built up a lot of strategies of doing this just from necessity of having to deal with people who don't understand uh creative language and and how to communicate what they have an issue with um and that's that's where you get to it's you get to a stage where you're like i can hear what they're saying but i don't know that I think they're just having a bad time communicating what they mean or they just don't have the language to communicate what they have a problem with. One thing that I always do in that situation is do the old tell me more. Cuz if I, as soon as I I hear uh someone that, you know, a feedback that doesn't make sense to me, I go, "Oh, that sounds dumb or I don't agree with it." The it's really important to not respond with that because <laughs> out of that Uh, out of that I think you're wrong Um, (laughs) because that's not constructive that's not going to get to the bottom of what they actually mean or what the real problem is so I, I often just try and get them to speak a bit more and come at it from the desire to understand them rather than the desire to be right about something so I go oh that's interesting tell me tell me more about that do you know why You know, do you know why you don't like that or um, ask some more questions and then maybe clarify, go, oh, is it, is it because the, you know, the, is it because it's too big on that side? Or, you know, you give some suggestions, is it because you don't like purple as a color? You know, they're bad examples, but does that bring anything to mind for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, like you've already been problem solving through your creative methods for for this client to start with. And as soon as you put it on the table in front of them, it's not like, all right, well, problem-solving time's over. Here you go. Please love it. You know, you have to work through the feedback as well. Like people who are in, the say, the corporate world or they're hiring creators because they're not creative, they don't have the terminology built up. So you've got to be careful not to talk too much in lingo but also on the flip side, I think you've got to try and find words that sometimes they won't have the words. And you. I think I've just maybe built this up over time, but a lot of the time I can hear what they say. They're like, oh, it's really distracting here. And you go, oh, okay. Do you think if we, you know, if we reduce the color here or we made that smaller, do you think that would solve the problem? And and sometimes they go, oh yeah, okay, maybe, or um you know, maybe they say it's really distracting, but it's not that. that's not actually the problem. There's something else going on or, you know, and you have to just get creative and work with them to figure out what it is they're actually trying to say.
0: Yeah, that's a big thing with videos as well. Like there's, because video is such a visual language, a lot of people can understand the visual language but they can't speak the visual language. That's most audiences in the world for films. They may watch a film and they may come out of it going, oh, it was just a little bit, like it was a bit too like full on or like, I, I just didn't like it. They can't tell you why they didn't like it. They, they just know that something about it didn't feel right. It didn't sit right. It didn't, it didn't you know tickle their fancy um and sometimes it's really technical things like it might be the audio mix that was just really grating on on the senses the whole time and and it was you know the the dialogue was too quiet or it you know the the loud bits were too loud and they just came out of going I just feel like I've been battered around their head you know.
1: Isn't it funny sometimes that might be the intention
0: of the creator
1: as well to leave them with an uneasy feeling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) True probably not in most blockbuster films but yes definitely in a lot of films that's used to quite effective uh, effect. But back to client stuff, yeah, I've I've definitely been in situations where I've you know been dealing with people that aren't um, you know creatively, visually minded, and I, I believe everyone's creative at some in in some way. But the you know being a, an artist or a creator is different than being just you know having a creative aspect to you. But I deal a lot with people who just can't see it. You know, they can't see the vision before it happens. And then when I present it to them, they're like, yeah, I just, yeah, I just don't really like it. Uh, you know, or, or that's very rare because we make great stuff. But they may get to a stage and they're like, oh, you know, I have an issue with this bit. I don't know what it is. Uh, I think this needs to be changed somehow. And that's where you're saying, where you, you you need to bring in some suggestions and you need to kind of have an understanding of how people feel, how people are affected by certain things. Um, For example, you know, audio or, or like um, if something's cut too fast, it can, it can give a bit of an uneasy feeling to, to people. So you, you really have to have that understanding of your own creative craft and, and your medium and how that affects people to, to kind of go, all right, well, maybe, yeah, maybe it needs to be a softer colour or maybe it, it needs to be more broken up.
1: There's so many ways. I'm, I've gotten pretty good at thinking on the fly, but I don't think that's everyone's, um, you know, that suits my personality of just trying to be really quick and thinking on the fly and just talking it out loud Face to face Are you the same Or are you someone Who has to go back And um, think about it And then come back with After a bit of thinking time
0: That is me 100% So I've gotten into trouble In the past From uh, Responding in the moment And then going away And thinking about it And going I didn't actually That's not actually What I thought You know I I, I felt pressured To give an answer Straight away And it I just gave an answer That Oh, it was straight off the top of my head and it, I hadn't thought about it and it didn't make any sense or it, it wasn't actually what a no, it wasn't the best answer. And, and when I thought about it, it wasn't actually what I think. So that that's a really good point that – You know, in in moments like that, if you are someone who works really well on the fly like Reese, then that's cool. Like, you know, roll with that, learn that, get better at it. But if you're someone like me, (laughs) it's okay. I've learned that it's okay to say, yeah, look, I think I'm going to have to think about that. I'll get back to you. Because you know, there you can feel often feel the pressure to respond in the moment and have the answer straight away and be the you know, you're the creative, you're the authority, just tell me. But there, it's okay to be someone who who doesn't you know, who needs to process it. And that's definitely me. I need to process what I've heard and then formulate what I think about that. And then I can give a very intelligent, well thought out answer.
1: That might be an. an topic for another episode mate about a bit of um what's the word i'm looking for like a bit of self-awareness
0: how to be self-aware and you know i'm massively uh a massive fan of personalities and personality profiling and learning more about yourself and communication with others i think we should definitely do an episode on that
1: well um We've had a pretty cool chat, mate. I'm just looking at the time thinking, wow, that flew past. I don't even know what we spoke about anymore. Um, Amy, our producer, might be able to summarise it in a in the show notes, I hope. Um but yeah, thank if you've made it this far, thanks for thanks for listening. And um please get in touch if you've got some sort of topics that you want us to chat about because uh it would be really cool to dial in and have a bit of dialogue with what people want to hear about as country creatives yep big time we want to hear from you beautiful well thanks again everyone listen out for the next episode and jump over to Emporium Creative Hub website to find out a little bit more about the potty and some of the visual things that we've mentioned in today's episode thank you and goodbye
0: The Country Creative Podcast is made by and for creative professionals doing amazing things across regional settings. It's conceived and hosted by Rhys Hendy and Caleb Maxwell, produced by Amy Chapman, and support comes from the Emporium Creative Hub in Mitchell Street, Bendigo. If you have a topic that you'd like us to explore or perhaps an idea for a guest, maybe you just want to say hello, please do get in touch via the contact form on the website at emporiumcreativehub.com.au slash podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us via your favorite podcast platform so you can be the first to hear new episodes. And please be assured that no accountants were harmed during the making of this episode. We'll see you soon mm